clubhouse. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we are here to talk about the third episode of the fifth season of NBC's This Is Us. And this episode is called Changes. Which I would have called this episode, Is This a Healthy Way to Handle This? Or, What's the Deal with All the Pancakes? <laughs> Two very good alternative titles, Paul. I appreciate that. So in this episode, we are going to be jumping into that cold open and... Uh, trying to kind of suss out exactly who we think this Vietnamese grandfather and granddaughter are and what they might be doing here. So the little tiny nuggets we got was a lot of lessons about patience, Paul, and that we need to just kind of cool our jets. Oftentimes, I think those lessons are not just speaking to our characters, but also to us as the audience. They were trying to do some tricky stuff with us. You know, they they graded the color of those shots in that nostalgic sepia-ish yeah, yeah kind of yellowish color yes that let us know that we might be in the past we might be in a foreign country mm-hmm. and they might still be in a foreign country but they're not in the past as far as i can guess Ooh, you don't think i don't think why who do you think that who do you think the woman is that he's trying to woo isn't it Laurel? Isn't that the picture at the sure, very end? Sure, but Laurel would be like a very old woman, Paul. Well, this man was not a spring chicken. He was grandpa. Oh my God. Wasn't he? Yeah. So that's just my assumption is that it's modern, but it couldn't, it might not be. It doesn't have to be. But I think that they were purposely misleading us with some of those visual oh, cues. Oh, gosh, absolutely. When they were only speaking Vietnamese, didn't you think we were going back to some sort of Jack's, like, military memories? Like, I didn't know where we were. Well, I was thinking maybe, but but they were dressed fairly modernly. Ah, oh, way to pick up on those tiny context clues, Paul. That, I don't think that that was too clever, but yeah, it was, they seem, even even the even the old guy seemed not to be wearing like native 1960s Vietnamese dress. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I just didn't know where we were going with this. I mean, the, you know, changing the color to that sepia color and also speaking, speaking Vietnamese, we only have one reference point for that. Exactly. Exactly. Which will be interesting if they are, they do turn out to be in Vietnam because, you know, show wise, Kevin was kind of just there. You know, it's kind of that ships in the night sort of thing that, yeah. that they do with TV shows to be because they did that earlier with Jack and and uh, William in the hospital. Yeah, right. good call. So tiny nugget there, just a little something, something to wet our beak and just try to be thinking about. Obviously, Laurel must be still alive. This is who we're guessing it is. I, I mean, I'm being real honest. We were using screeners to watch this. And so my eyes were really, really squinting at that screen to try to see if that's who that was up in that picture. But I think that's whose storyline we're due up to explore. So it makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else I mean if it's gonna turn out to be something odd like some lost cousin or something of Williams or I mean it it totally could be but Laurel seems right so looking forward to seeing where that goes you know where else we went Paul where in the Wayback Machine with Rebecca and Jack oh yeah and the gruesome threesome (laughs) the triple headed puberty monster (laughs) yes Oh my God. So Paul and I have three 17-year-olds currently and are dealing with a lot of surliness on the regs. What do you mean? Are you talking back at me right now? Because that's all I can hear. (laughs) Yeah. So um, our one kiddo likes to speak only in cinematic terms. So if you in any way interrupt her, she says, don't cut away from me. Like as if we're the camera cutting away. Right. Right. (laughs) 
So I appreciated the entire doctor's visit. I actually just had our son at a doctor's well check and we had to go through much of the same conversations. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was all realistic and stuff. Where are we going with this, Paul? Besides the whole everybody has these little kernels of issues. The one line that stuck out to me, I had really great parents, but they missed things along the way. Uh, it's every, Everything that I say is obviously colored by my personal experience as a human and my four to three years spent as this one single human on earth. If my perspective is lacking, just I'm only me, but I don't see it. You don't see what? Randall didn't he wasn't exactly opening up. He, he didn't tell anybody that stuff that he was going through. When the girl made him feel less than by saying something about kiss someone like you, she didn't mean a smart person, I don't think. She meant a black person. Right. He didn't share any of that with anybody. And they were alone. He wouldn't have wanted his mom hanging around in earshot anyway. Right. I mean, it, it is double-edged sword stuff, right? But But by the same token, Rebecca did go sit and talk with Kate. And hash out the problems she was having. So no, he dismissed. He dismissed Rebecca out of his room when she came to. But she came and she said, "Hey, I have ignored you this afternoon. I was so busy with your sister. Think does everything go okay? That's your chance, Randall. All right. Well, I'm just. I teenagers are like that though. And can she be in in three places at one time? No. You know, and Jack was off with Kevin. So where is mom supposed to be all the time? You know, she was she was paying attention to the Kate thing that was happening. That was all very above board. Like tonight, today's afternoon thing is a study group with Kate. You know, like the thing that was happening with Randall was happening like on the side. You know, yep. it wasn't like a planned right. event like Kate's was. So she was paying attention to Kate's, you know, situation, which, God, that was so embarrassing. Why she's had to be like, Stuart, I know you only came to the study group because you love me. Yeah. Kate. Well, like you said, the nuggets for each kid. There's Kate and her luck with boys. There's Randall in the being made to feel different. And then there's Kevin being taught to work through things with weights. What I was seeing in this in the threesome situation here, dad went off with Kevin, mom went off with Kate, and Randall felt kind of like he didn't really know how to even explain this to his parents, much less have support for what he was going through. Because I don't quite know what exactly Rebecca would have said, except for to be like, oh my gosh, that's like crazy that she said that. But I don't know if she would have had the right advice or anything to try to make that any better. Okay, but defending the parents and the house, Randall, at a certain point, he got smarter than everybody else in the house and kind of left them behind in terms of anyone else being able to help him at all, you know, in terms of like homework or that kind of thing. So I'm sure that he is sort of outside of the rest of their orbit when it comes to that kind of thing, you know, and even when they said we're working on this project, he said, yeah, I did that in third grade like a dick. Yeah, I did. I didn't like exactly how, you know, but I don't but I don't like how any three of the three of them act as teenagers. I don't I think Kevin's super arrogant. I think that Randall is super arrogant for his own reasons. And I think Kate is has her head up her ass. Like, I mean, but they're all just like teenagers, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're all things of you've been you have been their age. 
Yes. And you are a self-proclaimed arrogant ass at that age, right? For sure. I agree. You definitely <laughs> would have walked through and said some shit like, I did that in third grade. You're if like, I had done it in third grade, I definitely oh, would have said that. Yeah. If you had done it in third grade, you would have said it because it was a baby project. How old were they supposed to be? And they were making like a desert violin? That was kind of babyish. Well, I guess it's back yeah. in the day. I mean, we were making uh, dioramas all the day. Especially but for the fall. That's more of a spring to, project. <laughs> nice. What are we supposed to get from this flashback, though? These were when those initial addictions and issues were sown. Uh, we're going to show you the origins of that. And I liked how Kevin said, the best, most connected parents in the world still missed things. That was really important because I feel like in episode one and two, you and I came back to the podcast and said, are they rewriting Rebecca and Jack? Are they going to try to sell us the idea that they were bad parents? And so I appreciated that they actually had Kevin voice that and say, no, they were fantastic. But even fantastic parents, well-connected parents can still miss things. You know, shit still happens. Yeah. I'm going with this entire flashback was just us getting a little glimpse into the nuggets and how they started. Is that fair? That's fair. I don't think there's anything like deeper. I don't think, you know, Stuart is going to turn up to be like, you know, something major later on or the root beer lipstick girl or whatever her deal was. It is, like you said, just this, the colonel. So let's jump into today's Pearson clan. Let's do that. We had no Miguel and Rebecca this time. That's okay. They're taking they're taking a back seat to our, our big three. They're waiting out things in the cabin. <laughs> We're going to go to Kate and Toby. They had this storyline that had started last episode, the very, very end, where they had gotten a call as a potential birth mom, Ellie. Now, Paul, this was moving fast and furious. You know, it did with the with the birth of baby Jack, too, and his time spent in the hospital and all that kind of stuff. So it's not too surprising TV would compress that kind of thing. I'm not familiar with the adoption process. It seems like, wouldn't someone from like the agency coordinating have something to do with this meetup? Or? I, I'm not sure. I mean, it was so casual. It was so sort of like organic that I don't know if this is the way that it really works. Someone out there in our audience, if you've ever gone through this process or know someone who has like met a birth mom, is it this casual? Do you set up your own appointments and stuff? I'm not really sure. I thought that they did have like a very cute back and forth between Toby and Kate and all their preparation. I mean, that mask that Kate was trying to choose. Oh my God. That like hillbilly. Yeah, grin. that's funny. Why would that even be in your stack to to, to go funny. meet somebody? Because she's funny, and so she had like a selection of masks in her bag. I appreciated that Ellie had done her own homework and was wearing her Pittsburgh mask, like hysterical, like good on them. One of the things that I'm kind of concerned about, Paula, is that I think that we have seen Jack's sister, and I believe that she does not look anything like Ellie, which makes me wonder. If we are just being set up for this to fall real hard badly. I think you're right, Caroline, unless there's something about the father that they haven't told us yet. But, but do you think they would do that since we're only going to meet the mom? Would they really end up giving us a sibling who looks nothing like the mother and just kind of kind of just make us feel like, oh, well, you just have to assume dad looked very different? No, I think you're onto something. The, the, the idea that that we would go the whole season starting in the second episode with a completely successful adoption process would really minimize the potential drama. If you were a TV writer and you had 18 episodes of This Is Us, wouldn't you have a couple of false starts in there just to kind of make them hit kind of like this hopeless bottoming out 
of we're just going to give up on the process before we before finally this unlikely baby just shows up in our lap kind of thing. It does feel like Toby and Kate are way more likely to kind of back into a situation rather than it be this straightforward. Like it seems like they're going to end up like a friend of a friend or something is going to end up with a with a situation. I, I just don't think it's going to be, like you said, so straightforward. Um, and again, I mean, everyone could say, no, you're completely wrong. And who cares if the mom has blonde hair? And Jack's future sibling that they've shown in the future has very dark hair and looks looks much tanner skin and everything that doesn't seem to match this mom very well. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I feel like the chances that they're going to have a challenge here feels very on brand for Kate and Toby anyway. Yeah. I did appreciate the cringeworthiness of that diaper scene. <laughs> Paul Daly, that entire mess when Toby was like saying all that shit about how like he has to take the blame for everything. I was like literally sinking into the bed like, please stop arguing in front of this woman. Yes. That's the sort of um, fight that you'd get into if if uh, you've, you'd had it several times already, right? Or or maybe you'd, you'd hadn't had it yet, but maybe you know life with baby has has frayed your nerves where you've forgotten yourself in front of the stranger. One of us would have just been like, right just Toby mentally be like, "We'll deal with this later." <laughs> right before Toby said that line about how he was like the house's like lightning rod for bullshit, like have to be blamed for stuff. Right before that, there was a pause that I thought it was at that point that they were going to turn and realize, oh, she's like standing here. But that's when he doubled down with like the, I take the blame for everything that I was like, this is continuing like a, a, a back and forth, one back and forth, two back and forth, eight back and forth. No, I wouldn't do that in front of someone I wasn't trying to woo to take their baby. I would zip it if it was a stranger. It's bad manners, Caroline. Um, It's wicked bad manners, Paul. But still, the chemistry with with her seemed good, maybe even too good, you know, like, yeah. like suspiciously I, good, if I you will. I think that the lesson that we were supposed to take from that was she she is the one who delivers the line that it's not about whether or not you argue because, hey, me and my husband had this condiment war, right? But it's about how you argue and that you like make up afterwards and it's like you're fine. You know, like they were kind of joking, sarcastic, arguing, but they weren't saying like, you stupid fucking idiot, you know, like they weren't being like that. And they weren't like, well, I'm going to walk home because of this, you know, like so she could see they could have a disagreement. They can, you know, barb, throw some barbs at one another and then make up and be fine. And and so she, I feel like that was the lesson, right? Was so long as you can do that, you're still a good couple. Okay. Maybe it's meant to show, since we have suspicions about things that may happen with their relationship at some point down the line, mm. that there are points when they are still strong, Toby and Kate. I like that. I think that I think that's a good thing, a good way to look at it. I also thought it was kind of cute as a couple for Toby to be like, I know that you're super positive, but I like actually need you to be kind of negative right now because I need to know I'm not crazy. I feel like I've said that to people where I'm like, I know you're trying to make me feel better, but I actually kind of need to feel bad right now. It's not making me feel better. <laughs> and so it would help me a lot better if you just came to where I am and said, you know what? You're right. This this really does suck. And, and we can just like hang here for a minute and walk out of here together. 
that is so much more helpful to me than the person being like, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good forever and ever. You know, like I don't always want that. And sometimes I'm that annoying friend who's all, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's a tightrope to walk. So let's move on to Kevin and Madison who are walking quite a tightrope themselves, Paul. Last week, they spent a lot of times kind of goo-goo-eyed at each other. You know, like, I can't believe we're doing something. We're not sure what it is yet, but we're doing something. And now they've had a couple of weeks, apparently, to live together. The nice layer, I guess, is starting to come off, right? Or what would you call that? Maybe not the nice level layer, but I would say the, like, guest manners ah yes right yes i think is what we're seeing like everybody is starting to notice everyone else's patterns and routines and starting to question them a little bit or those things that you keep private when you live by yourself you don't have time for now it's starting to kind of get to you that you don't have time for those private things or you don't feel that you can do them as as freely as you could when you were when you were alone how did you feel about how they're progressing their relationship in terms of this complete vomiting of all their issues for both characters it is probably a change from what we're used to but you know kevin has had five years of that of of documented time spent of kind of growing he had to go through the, the the bout with alcoholism and build himself back up and get hit again and then can build himself back up again and that whole time you know you and i have talked about him as a character and what we think of him i think it's fair to say he has improved as a, as a human and as as a, as a character and so for him to be at the point where he is thinking about spending the rest of his life with this woman and getting right to the point of I have these problems, you know, they're, they're not going to go away. I'm dealing with them and doing that in like week two of this kind of bizarre coupling that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's feasible. It's, it's, a, it's a change, but I think it's feasible given the progress he's made. I like that. So I feel like I'm hearing you say that you feel like it's kind of earned that like it's not just like one day he woke up and could like tell everybody all of his problems. I mean, we watched him go through therapy. We watched him have to get a grip on why he is the way he is. Well, we watched him have to go through a lot of different things with a lot of different women with varying levels of honesty with them. All of those things ended without working out. It's it's just believable that a man that has turned 40 and has these life goals and has gone through what he's gone through. It's like it's like that episode of Seinfeld where he's like, whatever my instinct is, remember George? Yep. I'm going to do the opposite because my instinct has never worked. <laughs> I was super happy to see that they followed through with Madison's eating disorder and that they did not sweep that under the rug and they they really stayed true to her character because that would have made no damn sense. You know, I thought that it was clever the way that they sprinkled it through with like the, the stranger you know, coming over and recognizing she was pregnant right away and, you know, that making her so self-conscious. All of those things I thought were really well done. And especially, you know, we haven't had that, hey, I recognize you, let's take a picture in quite a while. Do you remember when one of the very first times he ever met Cassidy and they were waiting at like a store? I don't know why I'm remembering like a grill situation or something but basically people came out they wanted to take pictures with him and all that kind of stuff and it was like one of the first times um, or one of the most recent times that we've seen a woman have to get that like oh geez this is what your life is like yeah moment. we hadn't really had that with Madison yet no but having been Kate's friend I'm sure she had seen it at this gathering or that gathering over the past couple of years this can't have been the first time 
she didn't act like, oh my God, this woman just came up to us. So you're right. But at the same time, those were all like relationship milestones that I think have to happen for Kevin. He has to like explain all the addictions. So does Madison. She has to explain all of her challenges. They have to have that time when somebody recognizes him as a celebrity and runs over. It's like they have to have all these moments where they have to kind of decide like, can I deal with this as part of my relationship? Whatever this part is. The love scene business at work. The love scene at work. So here, so it goes back to my question at the beginning. Is this a healthy way to handle this? <laughs> That's the question of this episode. Am I handling things in the most healthy way for me? Should I have just eaten the pancake? It's a good question. And and uh, I think they're working through that. I, the, the step of just being open with these lifelong problems of theirs is probably the most important one, though. The rest of it, the, the day-to-day, how am I going to deal with my problem today? Am I going to spend it on two and a half workouts or whatever. I guess that's, you know, a, a something, a different battle every day, but, but at least being honest with each other, like when you see me doing this, I'm not hiding what it is. This is what's happening in my head. I appreciated that there was several layers to the working out. I mean, obviously, you know, the fact that there is some vanity to taking off your shirt in front of, you know, the world, right? So there's like that portion, but also that this is the way that he deals with staying sober. This is something that he does. But also it has these flashbacks to Jack and that he has all these daddy issue portions where he goes out and works out and he feels some sort of closeness with Jack. They really layered it on that this is not just simply, you know, I like to look good. There's more to it. Do you remember the episode when he helps Randall with the apartment complex and he says, these muscles aren't for show. And (laughs) and then he goes, well, they they kind of are, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's some good stuff back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate it too, where he's like, I actually got famous because I took my shirt off because of the Manny. So, you know, there was a lot there that, that as much as you're saying like, well, Madison was Kate's friend. Yeah, but also, no, in terms of like, she doesn't know what is up with the rest of the family. And as was pointed out um, online many, many times, is Madison the only friend any Pearson kid has? <laughs> like, no one has a friend. Kevin has no friends at all. You know, they haven't really shown much, have they? No, no, no one. There's not much. What are you talking about? The Most of the time that we've known Kevin, he has been kind of career focused and so into himself that he didn't have much, you know, like brain power left for for others. But you're right. It hasn't been a focus. Randall has no friends, Paul. Beth doesn't have a best friend. Well, no one has a friend. Randall's married. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you asked me if I thought it was realistic the way that they handled the telling of truths. But did anything about that ring true or false with you? People who go to watch these episodes later might not be able to appreciate or add on the layer of the pandemic and the layer of the being in in close proximity to one another with like all this other weirdness going on. And so I think when you add that on, I do think that there's kind of like a strange realism to right now to where you might just spill all of your guts, you know, in addition to being pregnant, in addition to, to being engaged, in addition to all these other things. That layer of like living together in these strange times, I think that people 
are doing things a little differently than you would have. Because you might say, this is not a very typical relationship. This isn't how it would, would work out. And if you're binging the show 10 years from now, you might be like, I don't get it. Why, what is with the masks? Why are they acting like this? You know? And so hopefully people have some context to like how people were feeling. Yeah. And, and we all went through stages, right? We all played board games night and day with our family. And people were like hiding in the garage. <laughs> There's like all kinds of, of of things here, right? They seem to be in the, the hiding in the garage, two workouts a day kind of stuff. We're at hiding in the garage, you know? Yeah. But they did the first part where they just sat on the couch and stared at each other. It makes you wonder if they have... In, in order to maintain sort of an economical way to approach COVID while shooting, uh, if they've done things to, say, minimize large groups or whatever those things that would be kind of cost prohibitive to, you know, having large groups tested constantly for however many days they can spend between tests and that sort of stuff. Like if they've written these small two-person, three-person scenes that make up most of an episode now purposely so that they can tell pretty much the story they always intended on telling, but do it in a way that they can make right now. Does that make sense? I think so. I mean, obviously we're seeing these like very small scenes with very few people, you know, uh -huh. that's kind of been the theme. And so this is, this is going to affect how stories are told and we're going to have to allow some allow, uh, some amount of leeway to the fact that we have to be cognizant of the production times and like what is going on right now. And what they can realistically do. I mean, it's kind of transparent, but when you think about it, it makes it makes sense the way they're they're making these, these smaller little, stories, these little yeah. tiny stories. Yeah. Well, let's get into the our last our last fam here, Randall and Beth and their girls. You know, Randall left us last episode saying that he was ready to go find a black therapist because he felt like he really wanted to discuss more issues that he felt like he needed somebody who had had a similar experience to be able to really like hash it out better. Yeah. I liked having that little section where we got to see these different therapists that he was interviewing, partially because you and I have interviewed therapists before, not just for ourselves, but for kids and stuff like that. And there's those moments where you're like, you are not the one, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, nope, 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 nope. Do you like the therapist that he chose? I do. He seemed very easy to talk to. He seemed, uh, you know, similar age and he, he seemed intellectually like he could keep up with, with Randall, but without needing to be overly academic, like the second lady that he interviewed yeah. was. Like she was, she might've been as smart as Randall, but you know, he was never going to talk to her. Right. Just all the acronyms were like, zip it. Yeah. I agree. Well, and I think it's important that that family element is there. It was telling that he noted the artwork, but then when asked more about it, he had to admit that Beth was actually the one who introduced him to this black artist. And, you know, he seemed embarrassed a little bit about that, where he's mm -hmm. like, my wife's black. I married a black woman. Like, he's like trying to constantly prove like I'm black enough, you know, and, and that is something that I think we're going to see a lot with his therapy sessions, talking about that, you know, exactly how that's going to play out for him under the category, is this a healthy way to handle this? I give him two thumbs up on, I think, seeking therapy and being able to do this teledoc stuff. I think great, great storyline for Randall. Well, and finding a therapist that you feel like you can be 100% open with. I never really thought about that in terms of how important that really is. But I'll say in our own family, we have a family member 
who has a syndrome that we managed to find a therapist recently who has the same syndrome. There is a lot of excitement about meeting this new therapist in the next week or two here because it's the first time that the child is going to meet somebody who has this syndrome and they feel like they can open up about it in a way that they couldn't with other people. And so we're living that. Like I see that. I see the excitement. I see the complete change in, you know, the the willingness to talk about it and the hopefulness that this person will understand them better. It's exciting. Uh, I've I've been to both kinds, I guess. The kind that uh, don't make you feel very welcome to 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 say everything and then the kinds that that are just super easy to talk to. So, it's important. I also give a thumb up. You give a thumb up? Yes. <laughs> I only have one to give. Oh, no. Well, I guess I have two thumbs, but <laughs> What's happening over there? Well, just traditionally, you know, like, uh, anyway. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> let's get into this test storyline. Oh man, Paul. Oh man. Tess, I feel for her. I feel for her. I can remember back to high school days and I can remember feeling like teachers were getting away with stuff and saying stuff to us that was not right. I actually chose to not tell my parents, to not tell tell anyone, but to tell a trusted coach. And she actually went and straightened out that teacher for me. But I can say that being in a situation where you feel like that that teacher just will not stop, or even if you get them to stop with you, you can see them still belittling or acting erratic or something with other students. I mean, man, we can relate, right? We definitely can't. You know, the issues that Tess and her friend are going through are specific to them. But the challenges that we were going through, while different, it was still unfair using their their authority to think that they could just treat us however. Yes. But the I think the layer that we can't appreciate just generationally is the way that kids right now feel like it is their duty to broadcast every thought that they have on the internet. Well, I'm going to pause because I don't know if it was a um I almost like I want to break apart that that concept because what what I heard Tess saying was that she when you say duty and you're kind of saying in a sarcastic way, she was saying that she felt like she needed to stick up for the other students and she didn't feel like she had the power to do that in person. Because in person, she was the student, they were the, the authority figure, she didn't have a voice. She felt like she needed to say something to stick up for them, and, and the internet is a place to do that, you know? So I know you're kind of saying it a little flip, but I'm going to challenge you on that and say, well, is it that out of line that she wanted to stick up for her friends, but she knew she couldn't do that really right to the teacher's face? It's a, it's the right feeling, it's the wrong way. The, of course. The internet is... Uh, a permanent record. Again, go back to being 17. Go back to feeling like you have no control in this world, no say. Teachers are saying and doing things. They are basically affecting your entire freaking life because whatever grades they opt to give you dictate how your parents treat you and the, the privileges you have. Okay, but my original comment is rooted more in the the idea that when you and I were that age, we didn't have some way to broadcast to China that our teacher's a jerk. Do I don't know what we could do, but we couldn't impact them on that same level. But the same channels for making that complaint, whether it's through your parents or to a guidance counselor or to a vice principal, those are the same. Those didn't go away in the past 20 years. I think you're speaking like such an adult. You would have gone to a guidance counselor 
and talk to them. No, I would have suffered in silence. I wouldn't have had a dance video. So then quit. So then quit with these like acting all hot. Oh, you could simply go to the voice. No, I'm I'm just saying if someone felt strong enough. File a complaint. Paul, every kid is dismissed. At that age, in that stage, what would the vice principal say? Go back to class, Tess. Go back to class, Paul. They're like, what could actually make an impact? I mean, people wrote stuff on the bathroom walls. It's kind of equivalent to that, actually. Kind of. Doesn't quite have the same reach, but yes. They didn't intend for people in China to see it. They weren't thinking about it like that. They were trying to be out from under an authority figure's thumb and make it known what they were doing. You can get that, right? Like you're over there being so in your 40s old man and you're like so not understanding. I got to say this. I think a video was actually fine. I don't have any issue with the video. I don't even have an issue with 90% of the things they say. I wish they did not say the screw you part. That was the part where I was like, oh, crap like you lost your message in the delivery here and that sucks because I think they weren't on the wrong track I don't think it was bad to make a a dance video for the internet at their age talking about their differences and how they want to be treated I don't think that part was wrong I think when you're like doing the equivalent of swearing at a teacher then that's when you unfortunately (laughs) went down the wrong road yeah, and that's where you lose adults is if you if you make the message, like you said, profane, it doesn't matter what your point is, you still get your phone taken away for six weeks. Okay, on that front, six weeks, six weeks in the pandemic. In my opinion, six weeks was way too long. I think that I would fucking die if I was... Even right now, if I didn't have my phone for six weeks, it would be terrible. We have three teenagers. One of them has their phone taken away right now. And three days was like life-threatening situation. Six weeks seemed excessive, especially given that that's probably the only way she stays in contact with anybody. This episode was, it wasn't like a, I don't know that it was a big like plot mover, you know, in terms of the, the story. We got, like you said, in the flashbacks, we got like the seeds and the kernels being planted for different things that we already kind of knew. Yeah, we really did. So so this is interesting because this is a little bit retreading ground on, on some of that, right? Because I'm not quite sure why they needed to go back. I mean, we know that Kate's guy issues come back, 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 back to that, but we already had that stuff established. And we knew that, that Jack really valued Kevin's physical abilities. And I feel like we knew that Randall felt unheard about things having to do with race, but then just also generally didn't want to be the squeaky wheel. Like always just kind of wanted to go along to get along. Yes. So I don't know. You're right. I don't know what exact new information. I mean, plot wise, just capsulated Kevin and Madison's relationship did probably take a step forward. Kate and Toby's with this birth mom, even though I kind of think this is going to be a dead end. In theory, at least we're going to see a little bit about their progression through that storyline. And then with Randall and Beth, I mean, we had said over and over again, and God dog, if they don't give Annie a storyline, I'm going to pull my hair out, Paul. That little girl is such a fantastic actress. Tess and Deja have taken this show for how many seasons? Give Annie a damn storyline. I think Deja's finally calmed down. The the Malik thing seems nice and nice and mellow steady and cool. at this point. I like point. that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But man, will you please give Annie a storyline? I want to see her have something to work with, Paul. 
She's fantastical. I'm not even trying to be the writer. I'm just trying to say you have this way overlooked character, like way overlooked. I'd also like to point out, though, in the overlooked category, uh, week episode three, no baby Jack. Maybe no baby Jack this whole season yeah. due to COVID. So yeah. very intriguing that they're just going to maybe have to drop that storyline in a pretty big way. Our, our eyes are going to have to be more observant for other shows to see if we see A, old people, or seniors, let's just say, and or babies. So I wonder if SAG is like, no, they just can't work right now. Maybe the parents are like, no, you know, this yeah, is worth it to us be. to yeah. be on a movie set right now or a TV show. I'm trying to think of just like housekeeping stuff for the previous episodes. I know I had mentioned that I thought Madison had anorexia. I was totally wrong. Bulimia. She spelled it out during this episode. So I uh, wanted to make that correction. Also, we I had seen some things about... I want to say episode two concerning Mandy Moore and the whole pregnancy bit having to... Now, this is puzzling to me, Paul. Do you remember way back in the first season when she's pregnant and she's doing the birthday dance for Jack because it's his birthday and they're in like a teeny tiny apartment? Yeah. But this time they're not. When they're getting ready to go to the hospital, they're in the big bedroom. They're in like the master bedroom of their house and she's wearing a different colored dress it's totally different. There's a lot of side-by-side -side pictures going on out there where Mandy Moore has like double D chest in one picture and is completely flat chested in another, both with like this baby bump, both supposedly heading to the hospital. It's so weird. I, I don't know exactly. People are saying, oh, look, the wardrobe people got it wrong. They didn't have her wear the same dress. It's not even the same place, though. Huh. One is clearly their teeny tiny apartment where he was sitting. It was so close that when she opened the bathroom door, the corner of the bed was like there was only like a body's width between where he was sitting and where she was coming out of the bathroom. Do you remember that? I kind of do. Okay, but in this last episode one, two stuff that we got, he is like running around getting the radio, remember? And they're in a big bedroom. She comes out of a completely different bathroom. It's very odd. I, I just want to throw that it. out to viewers. A lot of people are talking about it right now that it's like, what, what was that exactly? Kind of curious. So if you guys have any feedback on that, throw it out about what What do you think? It is not like them to have made a massive wardrobe bobo. I mean, the birth of the triplets would have been a big day to on the storyboard. I don't really think they messed that up, but I don't really get it. So if anyone's got any ideas, I want to hear it. Anything you're looking forward to or hoping to see in the next episode? Well, I, I would like them to not lose the thread with Laurel. I would like them to keep just tugging us along with little bits uh you know revealing here and there that that, that there's something gonna happen with laurel and she's gonna tie into the story somehow um i don't need her to make like a big like hello kind of moment next week but just just a, just enough to to so that they don't leave her until like the next half of the season or something right i'm not ready for that so well i look forward to the next episode this is caroline and this is paul thanks for listening thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.